really a selfless position. Uh, you know, fullback, it's, it's all dirty work. I mean, there's no real glory, and he's not really getting the ball in carries. And you know, not, I threw, it, I definitely throw it to him. Um, but being a lead blocker really sets the tone for uh, for the offense. It's a very valuable position, and uh, anyone that can create holes and that physical style toughness in the run game is really important for us. Three tight ends, including Hayden. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Kyle And welcome to big episode number one of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. I, of course, am your host, Nat the Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Roto Street, recovering but doing okay. This guy bounces back like nobody's business. I mean, he hasn't had to bounce back that much because the Patriots have been so successful. But he was down in the dumps just a couple days ago. Almost didn't want to come on the air. He's on the air today. He's been working his tail off. Uh, we got a completely finished big board, and that's not even the subject of today's pod. We actually are welcoming back very timely interview with a good friend of the podcast, WEI's Ryan Hannibal, who I think has been on the pod maybe four times this point. It's I know, be, he might least. be the most frequent guest at this point. Yeah. He is. Uh, Gina Thomas, We uh, did we have Gina at all uh, the second half of the season? Probably not. The Falcons weren't the Falcons really were so irrelevant. No one right. cared about it. Gina, we still love yeah. you. Oh, we'd love to have you on the show at some point. But yeah, Ryan <laughs> Hannibal might be the GOAT, uh, at least at least experience-wise, as far as our guests. How you doing, Wolf? Uh, I'm doing a lot better, like you said, trying to bounce back. Uh, it's still been, obviously, the dark cloud hangs over after a tough loss like that. But we had no choice but to bounce back because so much has been happening these last couple weeks. Uh, not last couple weeks, last couple days with, you know, the Malcolm Butler, tons of news breaking there. You know, his side versus Belgium, all this stuff going on with him. Josh McDaniels leaving the Colts at the altar. Rob Gronkowski contemplating retirement. There's so much other stuff going on with the Patriots that it's time to just kind of bury that awful Super Bowl into the past and move forward with what's going on in the future and who better to bring on than Boston Sports Radio's Ryan Hannibal, WEI, the, uh, the the flagship station for Boston Sports Radio right now. So pumped to have him come join us and, and kind of try to get to the bottom of all these issues. What the hell is going on with the Patriots and all of these things that are popping up mostly negative too. So excited to have him on, like you mentioned, getting the big board going. That's actually my second big board of 2018 to go and show how psycho I am about these uh, fantasy football rankings. But the, the offseason never sleeps. We've had so many coaching changes. We've had that huge trade with Alex Smith and Mahomes that me and you will have to break down on a later podcast, probably the Big Board episode, um, and, and talk about how the, all those values have been affected. So we have tons of stuff to, to cover. So we got Hannibal this one. We got Charles Fisher from uh, fishduck.com to break down the Helfrich hire. He's coming up next episode. And then, like you said, I, I know you've been kind of chomping at the bit to dig into my Big Board. Just released yesterday, and you were already starting to text me. And I said, save it. We want the fresh live reactions on air uh, so you can come at me as hard as you want. So we'll be recording that later tonight, and I can't wait to go at it. Which I guess is just our way of saying, you know, it's early February. I was going to say it's mid-February. It's not even mid-February. It's early February. You would think, like, how does a fantasy football site, uh, you know, keep going? They don't have any content. Actually, we have we have content coming out of our ears. By the end of the day, we're going to have three full episodes recorded, and then it's just going to be like, well, how are we going to release these things? 
and which right. I think is the hallmark of, of a, a good fantasy football site, of course. Where, where Absolutely. Our, Four days after the Super Bowl, and we're already you know three episodes in, so we're not resting here. And now I've been experimenting. I know I gave you kind of a sneak preview with making little show notes, we want to call them, where we kind of recap the episode, the highlights. We put some video clips in there. I even have a transcript to download. All this interesting stuff. So we'll figure out how to link to that and get you guys just squeezing out the most we can, because these podcasts have been fantastic, and we just want to package them up and make sure that we're bringing as much value as we can with each one so excited to debut those show notes for season three and see what you guys think out there wolf facts so real excited for that and i'm I'm super stoked to get hannibal on hey uh real quick before we move on to hannibal i wanted to ask you i know sometimes we talk movies sometimes we talk tv uh survivor coming back i believe at the end of the month which i'm pretty excited about is it oh shit Uh, i didn't even maybe maybe beginning of march end of february it's coming pretty soon it it sneaks up on you i wanted to ask you have you ever seen the lego batman movie I have not. No, it is fantastic. You should, I've heard fantastic things. I heard there's a lot of out. like good adult humor worked in that kids won't get, but adults do type of thing. Tons of adult humor and yeah. and lots of great kid humor. And I've probably seen it like eight times. And doesn't it, get it's old. Fantastic. Huh? It has not gotten old. My kids run around quoting it all the time. Uh, so if you're going to check out a, a movie of that nature, I recommend it. What does Lego Batman and Survivor have to do with each other at all? They're both things that you watch on a screen. Okay, so, like, so there's no. I was waiting for the like reason you brought both of those well, up. Well, I was bringing up TV. <laughs> I was like, you know, TV Survivor's coming. I know we're excited about that. That's a mutual thing. And then I was like, I'm going to ask him a movie that I saw him, that I saw that maybe he hadn't seen because he doesn't have children. Just hashtag dad thoughts there. Lego Batman just randomly on the mind. You had to get that one out. Lego I had to get up. It was one of those things where it's like I watch it enough and it's and it's good enough where if I didn't mention it to you, I would feel bad. And, you know, and it came out after the year 2000. So I figure it might be something you know about. OK, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give it a watch one of these days and uh, give you my, my live review. I can't wait. Yeah, you, you won't be sorry. I'll bet I'll bet audio guy Nate has seen it, too. And I mean, oh, it just seems like everything. something that he would have seen and, and he probably would like it, too. I'm pretty sure he's seen everything that's ever been created. Yeah, that's why we love him. He's got a sound effect for everything. I'm Batman. All right, guys, when we come back, WEI's Ryan Hannibal for, I believe, the fourth time. But maybe right after this. All right, we're back, and we're thrilled to be kicking off Season 3 with Rotor Street Journal Fantasy Fullback Dive mainstay Ryan Hannibal of WEI, who is joining us. We had a little bit of a uh, disagreement about this. I think we've agreed that you've been on the show five times, which is definitely a record. Um, so thanks for joining us again, Ryan. How you doing? Not a problem. Honored to be the all-time leader in appearances. And we're going to make sure that stays that way. If someone starts creeping up on you, we're going to put you on for a few puff pieces. Yeah, like we're going to have we're going to pad your stats, get you in there, make sure that you remain the most experienced fullback dive guest. Uh, it, it's cool to have you on. Uh, has anything you heard of anything in the last few days going on in Patriot Land? I haven't really been following the NFL in the last say week or so. No, you got anything? You got any news like drafts, yeah, it's, combine, it's been any pretty, draft prospects? It's been pretty dead. 
Um, yeah, real, real dead over here in New England. Just kind of like those dust in the desert just blowing around everywhere. We figured we could just shoot the shit and hopefully come up with something with you. I don't know. We'll see. The dust you're yeah, talking we can, about. We can break down their schedule or something next year. Like, I think they play the Lions. Yeah, and week, their week eight and nine matchups. Um, and the dust, by the way, Trakeoff Wolf, that you're talking about is Tumbleweed. We would have accepted Tumbleweed. <laughs> Um, uh, true, true. Anyway, moving forward, uh, we'll get right into the interview because Hannibal, as he is uh, uh, apt to do, is, is speaking to us from an automobile. Uh, probably, probably the back of some limo somewhere. But we've got, uh, you know, obviously the Super Bowl. We got Malcolm Butler action. Josh McDaniels leaving, coming back. Gronk talking about retirement. Uh, the Pats have been all over the news lately. Not the tumbleweed that we had presented. We do like to joke around here. Uh, a lot of it is not for the greatest of reasons. So we figured. Ryan Hannibal, uh, he's going to give us the inside dirt to the extent that he knows it on some of this stuff. And we're going to start out with Malcolm Butler, which seems to be the thing that most people are talking about. And there's, you know, for most teams at most times, this Malcolm Butler thing would clearly be the top story. For the Patriots, not even clearly the top story, but it has been getting a ton of attention. So we're going to get right into that. Um, let's talk about Malcolm Butler, obviously missing a lot of uh, Super Bowl 52, except for special teams, which for some reason he was allowed to play on. Uh, there's a few things that need clarification. Um, there's a lot of people that speculated that the benching was for disciplinary reasons, that Butler had missed curfew, he had had some weed, maybe he had gotten trashed on alcohol. He has since denied any wrongdoing via an Instagram post, do you believe him? Or have you heard anything uh, that would give clarity on this? Yeah, I believe I believe him with the statement. I, I don't think that he was part of any of the rumors that were going around Monday. I don't think he was smoking weed at a concert. I don't think he came back trashed one night. I don't think that he got caught smoking weed in his room. I don't think there was any any of that stuff during the week. I think once he got out to Minnesota, I think that he was fine from you know doing things right. But I, I do think that there is there is something that we're missing. I, I don't think the full story is out yet. I think something came, something happened. Maybe Sunday at the stadium. Um, I, I just, I just have a hard time believing that you know everything that Malcolm said in his statement is exactly what happened. I think that we're missing something. Do you think right. we're gonna know? Do you think we're gonna know? No, because I don't think Bel. I think Belichick is probably one of the only people that know. Probably one of the few people that know, and, and he's he's done. He he's moved on to 2018. I think he's done talking about it. And yeah. even even after the game on the conference call on Monday, he gave nothing. He said basically the same thing he said after the game, which is nothing too. So yeah, it's brutal. You know, 98 percent of the defensive snaps all year, known for the the knack for the big play, great competitor. Batamosi's in, Richards in. They're all getting roasted. I mean, like you said, I don't think we're going to – my next question is going to be why. Yet I, I agree with you. I don't think we're going to ever know. So we can just move then to beyond well, just trusting. I'll, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. Okay. I, I know during the week, like the week before the Super Bowl and the week of the Super Bowl, he was practicing as the number three corner. Okay. Eric Rowe was going to be the number two corner going into the game, which we've seen before actually in the New Orleans game in week two. Butler was number three corner there as well, just because they like the matchups with with Rowe being a bigger corner. Yeah, he he'd be the number two corner in that game. So I think Malcolm and in we even know that some of the captains knew that going into the game that Malcolm you know was wasn't going to be in his normal role. But I do think what we're missing is what happened from him going to the number three role to 
being benched over Johnson Batamosi. That's where I think right. something else happened. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if maybe he, you know, got in a fight with a coach the day of the game. Not an actual fight, but a disagreement, an attitude thing. I know he's been, you know, having attitude problems most of the year, really ever since Stefan Gilmer got his deal. So I kind of think that we're missing that piece of what happened from him going number three to number four and it really could be anything but i don't think it was anything major like you know he, he was out late you know smoking weed right exactly yeah i mean it's a complete mystery i remember reading a, a report and who knows how much truth there is that belichick wanted to bench him during the afc championship against the jaguars but the what the other coaches over you know ruled him and then he kind of shocked the coaches by making this decision only a couple hours before the game so it makes sense that something might have happened in between those hours between sunday and the, and the kickoff so who knows like you said i doubt we'll ever know but what we can at least speculate on is is this going to have any long-term implications i mean it probably cost us a super bowl or at least a chance of the super bowl uh, ruined an absolute masterpiece performance from brady so it already is ruining you know terrible things in that but now we gotta look down the road is there any long-term implications do you think is this gonna matter down the road i don't think so i i think that you know obviously the players are upset by what happened and, and you know they all talked about after the game how Good, I mean, how they, how Malcolm Butler is a good player, and you know you always want to have players on the field. But I, I think that you know they have the whole offseason to sort of you know put this past them. In the end of the day, Bill Belichick's their coach, the greatest coach of all time. So I mean, yeah. they, they they can definitely they have the whole offseason to get over it. I wouldn't be surprised if Belichick addressed it with a certain you know players at their exit interviews this week because he does sort of owe the players an explanation if they if they didn't already know because I mean every player that we talked to after the game said that they didn't know either. I mean, yeah. they could very well have been playing us, and they knew all along too. But I, I think Belichick, if he, if the players don't know already, would you know he realizes what a big decision it was that he owes them an explanation. Yeah. All right, Hannibal. I'm going to ask you point blank: Do the Patriots win that game if Malcolm Butler plays? In your opinion? Yes, but it's it's not as it's not it's not a definite yes because the, you know Bel. Butler didn't really have the best of seasons, and it's hard to really say, you know, how, how things would have turned. I think Eric Rowe actually played a better game than people give him credit for. Yes, he got beat on that touchdown by Alshon Jeffrey, but it was a great catch. And actually, after that, Eric Rowe was pretty good. Um, and then in the spots where, where Johnson Batamosi made some mistakes, it's hard to say, you know, what would happen. So I guess if I had to say, if gun to my head, yes, they probably win the game, but it's not as definite as some other people might think. The, the one I point to that's definite, me and Nat talked about this on our last episode, was the Batamosi missed tackle. Um, the, the first drop by the Eagles, that, that's the one I look at where it could have been a huge momentum shift. And Butler, for all his coverage woes lately, he's always been a fantastic tackler. So I, I don't see uh, Aguilar breaking away from him, ripping it for 17, keeping the drive going, ultimately them scoring, and then the momentum just swinging right back to them. That's the play I think like I can look at and say 100% would have been different, whether that changes the outcome, who knows, but I certainly look at that one. You mentioned, though, Bill Belichick, best coach of all time, uh, and, and that's why everyone in New England, fans, players, kind of has adopted that trust in Bill philosophy. You know, five Super Bowls, dominant run, how could you not? Yet, does this move, and, and just such the uncertainty around it, does that warrant us questioning him more? Should we still just have this full trust in Bill, or is this going to tarnish him a little bit? I don't know. I, I do. I will say this: that 
there's never been this much criticism for Belichick after any game that I can remember. I mean, mm-hmm. there are people saying after the game, this is Belichick's biggest mistake that he's ever made as coach of the Patriots, and yeah. it very well quite be. And, you have, I mean, people are actually starting to go back to the Garoppolo trade by saying, you know, maybe he started to lose it then. I think mm-hmm. this is the first time that, you know, he's actually made some decisions that are truly worth questioning. So, yeah, I, I think that maybe, you know, the NBB we trust sort of mantra it's taken a hit, but again, he's made a lot more, you know, right decisions than wrong. So it's really hard. It's hard to question him, but with th- this instance especially, you have to, you have to at least question him a little bit. Yeah, you have to go back to that. What did he do against the Colts years and years ago? He did something fourth really, and two, right? Yeah. That's that's. I feel like that's the thing that people were pulling from before this, and maybe the Garoppolo thing. That was a long time ago. So uh, if you can go through what was that seven years ago, six years ago, something like that, you can go through that long. Uh, and not not be considered to be making stupid moves. I guess you're pretty good. Let's talk about Josh McDaniels. Obviously, this is a, a big piece of news. This is maybe, I guess you'd say, one of the only positives that's come out recently. Um, we've heard that, obviously, McDaniels uh, had verbally committed to coach the Colts. He backed out of it. He's now staying as an offensive coordinator. He got a big chunk of change uh, to do that. We've heard that Belichick is expected back. Why would McDaniels leave the money and the leadership on the table uh, with the Colts like this? couple things. I think the biggest, I think that it was reported that he was told by Belichick in this, first of all, he had a, a, over 15 hours worth of meetings with the Crafts and Belichick on Monday and Tuesday, sort of about his future. And it was the stuff that came out of this meeting, which ultimately got him to change his mind. And he, he was told that Bill Belichick was going to sort of take him by his side and, and sort of show him the rope, show him, you know, beyond what he, what he already did. He's going to take him inside, you know, how he views team building and roster building and how he views financials and, and the salary cap. So to me, while there is probably, you know, no written guarantee in whatever they discussed, but I think that McDaniels came out of that meeting having a pretty good idea that he'll be, you know, at the very top of the list of potential replacements for Bill Belichick, whenever that may be. I just think that's the only explanation for him to totally back out of the Colts job. I mean, there is, you know, reports that it could have been, you know, his family wanted him to stay. Maybe the money was different, but a lot of the money thing, that's probably not true. He's probably getting way more money with the Colts. So why would he, you know, come back to, to be a coordinator with the Patriots if it was about money? And secondly, the family thing. I mean, if it was truly a family thing, wouldn't he have come to that conclusion before, you know, Monday and Tuesday when he met with the Patriots? So right. coming out of coming out of all of it, the only explanation to me is that he has a good idea about his future with the team and the way the organization's going. And I would have to imagine he believes, you know, in his heart that one day he could be the next coach of the Patriots. Because, like, he's probably not going to go to any other team. What what other team is going to want him after all this happened? Because right. he, he screwed the Colts. And not only he screwed the Colts, he screwed those three assistants that went to the Colts knowing or with, with the assumption that he'd be work, working for McDaniels. Exactly, yeah. So that brings up two questions in my mind in relation to, to Belichick. One, does this suggest anything about his longevity here in New England? Does that mean his time is coming to an end and McDaniels knows it? And two, do you think McDaniels, let's say he does, this is obviously hypothetical, let's say he does supersede Belichick, is he going to be given like the full reins like Belichick kind of has, GM, coach, all that stuff? Or will the role be a little bit more reduced? So what do you see for both of those? All right, we'll start with the first one. I, I don't. I think that the McDaniels, you have the 
the big name here is Nick Asario. Nick mm-hmm. Asario and, and Joshua Daniels are very, very close. They go all the way back to college at John Carroll. So they're, they're huh. really close. And I honestly believe that if if Josh and Casario could have been paired last year to go to San Francisco, they'd be in San Francisco right now. But the 49ers want to commit to Casario, so their former Daniels stayed. So I think those two are, are really connected. And, and so I, I think the, the answer to the question is no. I think that Josh would be strictly the head coach and Casario would be the decision maker. And mm-hmm. the other question was, was, was Belichick, how long he has? Yeah, yeah. Does this suggest anything about how much longer he's going to be here in New England? I, I kind of think it does. I mean, you you go. There's been obviously no one knows the status of his contract, how long it is. But the the only hint that we have is Belichick on one of his football life NFL Network specials said he doesn't want to be like Mar- Le- Marv Levy and coach into his 70s. And so mm-hmm. he's 65 right now. He's going to be 66 before the next season. So yeah, time is running out. And you know, to me, if I had to put a guess on it, it's two or three more years. If you, if you look at if you look at the contracts, where they're they're set up, Brady and Edelman, both both their deals run out at the end of the 2019 season, so 2018 and 2019. To me, it, it kind of lines up perfectly for all three of those guys to go out together after the 2019 uh, 2019 season. I mean, if they win a Super Bowl in 2019, well, what better way to go out than than on top like that? So that's sort of way the way I view it. I think Belichick probably has two or three, maybe four at the most years left. All right, man, let's shift gears. Let's talk about Gronk. Uh, this is a little bit of an aside. I really enjoyed his 911 call after his house was robbed. He's like the most casual 911 so caller calm, I've ever man. heard. <laughs> hey, yeah, man, my house got robbed. How are you guys doing? Not, not only his house, his whole house. His whole house. Like, the entire. They didn't like rob a section of it. They, there's the whole thing. Yes. They robbed the whole thing. <laughs> anyway, that's Gronk for us. A lot of attention has been given towards uh, Gronk's noncommittal answer on retirement about coming back next year, saying he was going to reflect on his future for the next few weeks before making a decision uh, on like the 2018 and beyond seasons. Then Burt Breer reports these, quote, retirement rumblings are very real, unquote, causing even more panic in New England. What's your take on the Patriots' most important player not named Brady? And I want to just put an asterisk there. The Wolf worded that question uh, as far as that. I, that was that was not a direct quote from the truth, but I still want the answer. What do you got, Hannibal? It, it was strange after the game, honestly. I was actually right there. And it was towards the end of, of his you know media session, like it, it, I think actually Jeff Howe asked it. He said, you know, there is a report that this could have been your last game. Do you want to address it? And Gronk was like, I don't know how you heard about that. I I'm not really in a position to talk about it. I do have to sit down and, you know, think about my future. And, and it caught me by surprise because I didn't see this original report. And I turned around afterwards and I said to Jeff, you know, who had that? Like, where'd that come from? And he said, Mike Florio, pro football talk. And to me, I sort of light went off my head. Well, Mike Floro is very, very close with Drew Rosenhaus, and that's Rob Gronkowski's agent. So to me, it's sort of a contract play. I think okay. that Rob Gronkowski and his guys feel that he deserves a better contract and shouldn't have to hit all these incentives to, to get the close to $11 million. I think he deserves to be – they think he deserves to be paid you know, like the top tight end in the league without having to you know hit, hit all these incentives. So that's the way I looked at it. I think it's a contract play, and it, I, honestly, it's probably the right move. He does deserve more money. But just look at it, look look at his performance on the field. Why should he have to make sure he's eleven million dollars? So I think it's a contract play. Yeah, especially after his now, whole house got robbed. Make- you got to make sure like you're <laughs> taking care of him financially. 
Exactly. But in uh, speaking of that, though, money-wise, uh, there's in Breer's report, he talked a lot about how Gronk is pretty financially set. He's been very smart, which is shocking to me, but very smart <laughs> about using only his endorsement deals, his spending right. money, and saving all his contract cash. And he also thinks he has a real shot at going to Hollywood, which is interesting to me. So even if it is a contract play, let's say the Patriots don't meet his demands. Would he? Do you think he would genuinely just retire and step away from the game and he's ready for that? It's hard to believe. I mean, you, the guy loves football. I mean, I, I just yeah. think back to that Steelers game and that last drive, like how pumped he was after every catch. Like you're not going to get that same feeling in Hollywood. So right. it'd be a big, it'd be a big change for him. I mean, he's only what, 28, 29 years old. I mean, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be the first player to retire before he was 30. But I mean, just look at what he loves football. I mean, I just look at that that last drive and how excited he was. You know, especially after the touchdown, it's just hard to believe that he would just all of a sudden throw it all away at twenty eight, twenty nine. Like, why not? You know, play out the rest of your contract. You're playing with the best quarterback of all time, but Tom Brady. So right. I, I do have I do have a hard time believing that he would actually retire. So that's why I think the main reason behind this is is the contract. Yeah, that's my, my thinking behind it, too, is especially what you mentioned there, the the extra years with Tom Brady in his prime, Gronk still athletically, and, and Brady, I mean, seems like he's still in his prime somehow at 40. How could you pass up at least a couple more seasons of legacy building with the two goats together at their respective positions? So I can't see him hanging it up, at least while Brady's on the field, but who knows? Hopefully they pay him, give him the respect he deserves. I'm with you everywhere on uh, that sense. But that also brings us to Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy that did not stick around with the Patriots right now. Traded away for just a second rounder, which in hindsight, obviously 2020, but in hindsight, looks ridiculous considering his play down the stretch there, considering he's now earning the most money in the NFL on a year-to-year basis until at least Kirk Cousins' sweepstakes begins. So, I mean, the question there is, what's kind of happened? It was blown out of proportion all year. Who knows if it was blown out of proportion? I don't know. But when Wickersham had that beginning of the end kind of piece it really started to shine light that there was some behind the scenes drama which is seems like it's kind of playing out here at the end of the season so in terms of garoppolo what happened here and how much do you believe of that whole wickersham beginning of the end piece i think that there's some truth to what he wrote i think the majority of what he wrote was actually true i mean obviously you can find some some nitpicks here and there like with the meeting with goodell like that never happened but I think the overall point of Brigersham's piece, there was a lot of truth to that. I think that that Belichick is always looking at the long-term future of the organization, and he knew how good Garoppolo was, and so he didn't want to trade away the guy that's going to be a really good football player for the next, you know, ten years. Especially knowing that Brady has, you know, three, four, five at the most years left. Ten? So, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm I don't kidding. Think, I don't think Giselle would let that fly. No, I think that, that Belichick recognized just how good Garoppolo was, and he's always looking at the long-term future of the organization. He's even been you know, on reported that he wants to leave the Patriots set up for the future. He doesn't want to just you know, leave, a, leave a, a shitty team. He wants to make sure that they're ready to go for years to come, and I think part yeah. of that was having the quarterback in place. Everyone knows the most important position in sports is the quarterback, and you had a the, the best situation Belichick called it with Garoppolo and Brady. So I think Belichick really did want to hang on to Garoppolo. But the flip side to that is, how would you do that? Mm-hmm. And you look at the money that Garoppolo got today, it's hard to imagine the Patriots would ever come close to that. Obviously, they, they wouldn't match that with 
with Brady, with them both there. And so Garoppolo would have to take sort of a bridge deal to keep it there. And I think the Patriots tried. They, they tried to talk it at the beginning of this, this league year, and I think March and April, to try to keep him around. But I think Garoppolo knew his, his best chance to play and, and cash in was getting out of New England. So I think he made it perfectly clear that he wasn't going to stay unless Brady was gone. And I think that's where the Crafts came in, where they weren't going to let, let let Brady leave. They're, they're not going to let their so-called fifth son leave you know, mm-hmm. on you know Belichick's terms. It was going to be on Brady's terms. So I think that there was a little bit of friction there where Belichick wanted to keep Garoppolo around, whereas the Crafts didn't. And I guess ultimately, you know, they, they won. The Crafts and Brady won. Yeah, I just I was just reminded the last time or one of the last times Hannibal was on the show, uh, I, I kind of jarred it out of my memory when the Wolf was talking about Brady maybe playing five more years just now. I remember Hannibal and I being firmly against the Wolf on him predicting that Brady would throw 40-plus touchdowns yeah, I last that. year. 40 touchdowns. Right, and close. just so you know, Hannibal, he and I made a standing bet on the show. Might have even been the episode you were on, and I won huge. Um, I think he threw 32. <laughs> But my maybe okay. So the stats weren't right, but the overall point that Brady's play is not declining, you can't argue with that either. I mean, the guy is still looks as good, if not better, than he ever has right now. I don't agree. No, with that. I would I would agree, but you said forty touchdowns. I know that, that, right. the that, that's the thing. Hannibal, he tried to he tried to get out of that when I brought it up too. He's like he's like he was trying to tell me all the ways like it could have broken different, where he was like almost right when he missed it by like eight. Uh, (laughs) If you you could have made an argument that he'd be the MVP winner or something like that. I don't think either one of us would have argued hard against you on that. I don't don't think so either, right. Right, but you said something ridiculous. And anyway, I just wanted to point that out real quick. I love speaking hyperbole. I know you do. Uh, All right, let's talk about the Patriots backup at quarterback right now. It's Brian Hoyer, not a a guy that a lot of people look at and say, you know, this is the guy that's going to take us into the next dynasty. How are they going to address the backup quarterback situation? Are they going to stick with Hoyer? Are they going to draft a quarterback? Are they leaning uh, towards someone else, maybe a free agent in the league? What are your thoughts on that? I kind of think they're going to draft one. I think that's sort of their – they're kind of stuck with with, with that because they they do have to address the, the quarterback in the future. With, with Brady's situation, they can't just, you know, rely on a free agent, you know, sign a free agent as a backup. I mean, I think Brian Hoyer is a good guy to have around, but I, I kind of believed that once they traded Garoppolo that you kind of have to look at that pick that they got from the 49ers, that second rounder as maybe that's the pick they use on a quarterback. But now that the season's over and I'm starting to look at, you know, what quarterbacks are available – I don't think there, there's going to be a good one that's going to fall that that low. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots actually traded up into the first round for a quarterback. I, I, I really wouldn't. I don't know about what you guys think. Maybe you guys know about the, the college game better than I do. But I think that they're going to have to draft the quarterback in the future, and I don't think they can wait around for, for you know the low to middle of the second round for that guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if they traded up for quarterback. No, I've known Belichick's history. Like you mentioned, he's always talked about being early at that position is way better than being too late. So I could totally see them. Uh, the talent does drop off pretty fast in this year's class. I don't know if you have any ideas to who they might be leaning, if anybody seems more like a Patriots type of quarterback or not. That might be a question we ask CJ, too. He's kind of our college resident guru, so we can save that for him. But have you heard of anybody that's been kind of mentioned on, on their draft board or anyone they might be targeting? No, I I don't think they even know. I mean, I'm, right. I know they have their their college college scouting department, but like I don't think 
Bill Belichick or even Nick Casario has even you know thought about that yet. I mean, I'm sure the thing about Bill is I will say that he's probably the most like hands-on coach um, when it comes to draft. So he's going to get a look at all these all these guys. He's going to go to their pro days. He's going to meet with these guys one on one. He's going to make sure he gets it right. So I think that that process is is hasn't started, but will start in the coming days and weeks once these pro days start. That Bill will you know visit all these schools, meet one on one with these guys, and and make sure that he, he does it right. He's not just going to rely on you know somebody else's decision. He's going to make it himself and, and have you know a, a fair say. So I think that this you know names you know it'd be worth. Noting, you know, which pro days Bill goes to, which college quarterbacks he meets with. I think that's where we'll start to get the hints as to who they're interested in. All right, let's talk defensive coordinator real quick. Obviously, Matt Patricia out the door. Uh, the the newly almost clean-shaven Matt Patricia coaching the Detroit Lions <laughs> yeah. now. You know, not the best, uh, you know, cap to his resume leaving the Patriots, giving up 41. But who do you like to come in to replace Patricia, and what are they going to do to start patching up what kind of looked like a slow Swiss cheese defense by the end of the Super Bowl, certainly? Yeah, I think Brian Flores, the linebackers coach, is definitely the guy. Uh, he protected himself really well this past week at the Super Bowl. Really smart guy. Came across as very confident. Really liked talking to him. And you talk to other players and even other assistant coaches that just raved about him. I mean, he's got to be doing something right to get an interview with the Arizona Cardinals as without even having defensive coordinator experience. So right. I, I like him a lot. I think he's the guy that, that comes up next. And that's sort of how... Bill usually does things when it comes to replacing coordinators, promoting from within. So I think he, he's the guy for sure there. But when it comes to that has to be done. I mean, their front seven was probably one of the worst in football, if I'm being honest. I mean, it was they got, they got lucky just making it to the Super Bowl with, with that roster. And I think a lot of that had to do with coaching. Um, I, I think even going into the year, you sort of knew that the edge rusher was going to be a position of weakness. I mean, they had... They lost Robin Digovich to retirement. They cut Coney Ely, uh, the Derek Rivers, the rookie, tore his ACL. So they sort of had an idea that that spot was going to be weak, but I don't think they knew how weak it would be. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at them having to upgrade that that spot for sure this offseason. I think they kind of have to you know, get another linebacker. I don't know if Kyle Van Noy and Elaine Roberts are the long-term answers there. There's always going to be some concerns with Dante Hightower. So I think they, the, the biggest priority with defense is addressing, you know, that front seven and, and yeah. adding a linebacker and an edge rusher or two. I think, I think the secondary is okay. I mean, they're definitely going to lose Malcolm Butler, but I think a guy that's sort of forgotten here is Jonathan Jones, who was injured against the Titans. I think if he didn't get hurt against the Titans, we'd be talking about him in the Super Bowl and not Johnson Batamosi, which is a big upgrade there. So I think they're okay on the back end. So I think overall with the defense, they're going to have to address the front seven, especially the edge rusher. Yeah, it makes losing uh, Chandler Jones a couple years ago and watching him lead the league in sacks pretty extra painful in that sense. Uh, But back to the offensive side of the ball, which is what fantasy owners all care about, running back situation. I know a ton of guys uh, are hitting free agency out of the backfield in New England, and specifically Deion Lewis had a monster 2018, really bounced back, showed he was healthy, scored nine total touchdowns, and just had a dominant stretch run especially. Uh, And Burkhead also flashed a ton of upside throughout the year, especially in the red zone and scoring touchdowns as well. And both of those guys are set to hit free agency. Have you heard anything on if we should expect either of them back, both of them back? And also what about Gillisley, who had a pretty disastrous first season? Any any clarity on this backfield going into the offseason? I don't think Dion Lewis is going to be back. I just think that 
Dion put a lot on a lot on tape this year. I think that it got recognized around the league. So he's gonna he's gonna get attention. And when it comes to the Patriots and running backs, they usually don't pay running backs. They mm-hmm. they sort of like to go for that cheaper, you know, value, so to speak. And I, I think that Dion Lewis is gonna get once he gets the open market. He's going to get a lot of money thrown his way, and I don't think the Patriots will be able to match that. So Breaking my heart hearing that. If I had to guess right now, Dion Lewis is probably gone, which probably means that Rex Burke had sixth round. I mean, he, he sort of fulfills the role of the Patriots, what they like. He can do a lot of different things. He's probably not going to cost a lot of money. I think the, the injury that he had towards the end of the year probably helps the Patriots because his value is not as high. I mean, he had that stretch in the middle to end part of the year where I think he had the most touchdowns in the league over yeah. like a four to four to five-game stretch. So. He's, he's a solid player when he's healthy, so I think that the Patriots can get good value on him. Gillsley, like you said, he had a tough year because of injuries, and you know he even said towards the end of the year that he was healthy, but he just, you know, the the running backs were just so, you can't have five running backs active in a game, so right. he was sort of a t- tough out. I mean, yeah, they could keep him around, but it also wouldn't be surprised to me to see them cut him and free up some cap space, so... If I had to pick one, I think Rex Burkett is back for sure. Um, I don't think Deion Lewis is back, and, and Gillisley's probably a wild card. Now, this one's for you. If, if, if just Burkhead, who I know you hate for whatever reason, probably just because his name's Rex Burkhead, uh, but if he's the lone guy, Lewis is gone, and Burkhead's the only one there, top top 12 RB season out of New England for Rex Burkhead if, he, if he's the lead guy there. He's going to score 10, 10 touchdowns. Just, just real quick to answer that question, and then we're going to get Hannibal out here on the last question of the interview. The reason I hate him is because you love him. Uh, <laughs> number seven, and this is our last question. We're going to talk Julian Edelman. Obviously, the Patriots lost Edelman for the year before the season even began, which I admit, even as a Patriot hater, uh, that that one really hurt you guys. Has there been any updates on his recovery? What can we expect from Julian Edelman in 2018? I think things are trending in the right direction. I think that everything is going well from a rehab standpoint. I think he's, yeah, he even said a couple months ago that he's ahead of schedule. Things are progressing well. He's been, he's been around the locker room. He was with the team out, out in Minnesota. He was doing barstool radio. So I think from a recovery standpoint, he's doing well. The only question that I have though is he's, he's up there. He's, he's a 30 year old guy coming off a torn ACL. That's asking a lot. So I think he's doing all the right things and trending in the right direction. It's just a question of once he gets back on the field, what is he like? I mean, he, he has some of the quickest feet in football, and it's just you don't really know until you get back out there to see what he's going to be like. So he's doing all the right things. Things are definitely trending in the right direction. I just don't know if we'll know for sure what he's going to be like next year until we see him out on the training camp field just because of his age. It's hard to have a guy so old come back from, from an ACL injury. One other question we didn't have written down. I just popped into my head. Do you know the status of Brandon Cook's contract? Was that just like a one-year rental? Or do we have him for at least one more? For the- we got him for, for one more. They picked up that, that option. He, he had that, the rookie deal, so the Patriots picked up that option. So they have him for one more year. Um, it's just a question after that of if they want to make a long-term commitment to him because he is so young. I mean, that's something that doesn't really get talked about. He he was the eighth youngest Patriot, and he had two years of two years of experience. So that's pretty crazy to think. And I sort of go back and forth on Brandon Cooks. I I think that he does some things really well, or he does a few things really well, but he doesn't do a lot of things well. Um, obviously, he can catch the deep ball and start to defense, but when it comes to going over the middle of the field. He can't really do that, and we saw in the Super Bowl, he sort of has some problems with, with the ball in his hands in space. He doesn't really know what to do, 
Mm-hmm. And he tried he tried to make a play, and then ended up by getting him concussed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that's a tough one because I think that he's a guy that's going to get a lot of money on the open market, whereas the Patriots might not give as much, you know, as right. he might be deserved. I do know that Brady loves him. Brady's gone out of his way to compliment him, you know, even at the Super Bowl, saying that he can't think of a receiver that made an impact like that in his first year since Randy Moss. So he does a lot of good things, but I just come back to it. He really can't do a lot of things well besides running deep. So I don't know. He's a tough one for the future. He's a good guy to have. I think he'll work really well having Julian Edelman next year. That, yeah. was, that sort of hurt him this year. But beyond that and for the, the a long-term commitment, I don't know. Well, Ryan Hannibal, we cannot tell you how much we appreciate you taking half an hour out of your car ride, which is not the first time this has happened. So we we certainly appreciate it and we'll remember it. Thanks for answering all the questions and and taking the time. Ryan Hannibal of WEI, uh, thanks for coming on the Fullback Dive, man. Not a problem. I'll have to get me on during training camp next year and trade off making more ridiculous predictions. Uh, (laughs) It's a date. You know that's going to happen. Absolutely. Can't wait. All right. right, Sounds good. Thanks a bunch, man. See ya. Ryan Hannibal, Rotor Street Journal, Fantasy Fullback Dive, Mainstay, never disappoints. Five for five. Never. That was a fantastic. Maybe four for four. I don't know. One of those. He's batting a thousand. Yeah, absolutely. Five for five so far. Most. It's, it's the reason he's the uh, the most frequent visitor of the fantasy fullback dive. The guy's great every single time he comes on. At Ryan Hannibal, if you want to follow him on Twitter, always tweeting out great stuff about the Pats, some inside scoops, and we were glad to have him on given how many issues have been going on behind the scenes of the Pats. It was great to kind of hear his insider perspective on a lot of these things, and not a ton of clarity has been brought to every single one of them, but certainly a lot more. I have a better understanding of. So it's fantastic to have Hannibal on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it. And I, I know we say this a lot, uh, you know, about how good stuff was. I honestly feel like this was probably his best interview of, of all the times we've had had him for. And I, I, I'm impressed that he can pull it off and was willing to give us so much time while in his car. The guy is all he's either covering games like he's either live at the Super Bowl on the sideline or he's in his car. That's pretty much where they are. I he don't think live he lives car. at a house. I think he either sleeps in his car and then he just gets out, you know, wherever he might be, whether it's just Gillette Stadium or like you said, the Super Bowl. He probably drove to the Super Bowl. I doubt they, they even flew out because he just likes to drive everywhere. It's weird. Gosh, can you imagine? I mean, we could do an eight-hour interview with him just in his car. He does his best work in his car, people. Anyway, Ryan oh, Hannibal, WEI, rising star in the business and very generous with his time uh, with the Road Street Journal. So thanks a lot. Um, Wolf, you want to shoot out some sh- social media before we uh, As always, uh, you know, Roto Street Journal on Facebook and Instagram, Roto ST Journal on Twitter and Snapchat, me personally, Roto Street Wolf on Twitter and Snapchat. If you haven't checked it out yet, we've, we've got actually a new homepage for our, our Fantasy Fullback Dive podcast, ffbdpod.com, ffbdpod.com. So that's our landing page. We're still trying to get – if anybody knows how to do this and you're listening, anybody in the Wolf Pack. <laughs> <laughs> knows you know URL redirection. It's kind of what I'm trying to figure out because I'd love to be able to do ffbdpod.com slash 64 and have that bring you right to the landing page of our notes. So I have like the page of all the notes, but I don't know how to turn that into you know a, a page separate on the ffbdpod.com site. So if any web gurus are out there listening and you at least just know that, and if you want any you know roll with the RSJ, we're still definitely looking to add some tech tech nerds, tech gurus 
gurus. So just a quick plug for that because we're trying to figure some stuff out this offseason, and that would be a great uh, little check to, to put off the list. So if you're listening and you got those skills, let us know. All right. Uh, my name is Nat The Truth Jones. And I'm the wolf. Looking forward to uh, having Nat dig into my big board a little bit. I know this one wasn't as fantasy-centric of an interview, just more timely Patriots information. But we have a, a big show coming up soon with Nat. He's going to come in and come hard at me with the second big board just released on RotoStreetJournal.com if you want some uh, perusing pleasure. I'm excited to hear what you have to say on it, Nat. It's going to be a fun one. Well, I won't disappoint, I promise. Alrighty. All right, See you we'll guys. talk to you guys soon. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. We stole the show. At least we stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. That's pretty awesome. That's old fashioned football right there, folks.